0: The end track.
1: Welcome to Kiwi Chasing for New Zealand Greyhounds. The first bet Sunday through Friday. grnz.co.nz
2: Yes, it's that time of the week once again. Another edition of Kiwi Chasing on this Sunday morning right across the Australian network on SEN Track as we discuss the latest in New Zealand Greyhound racing. Damien Watson's my name, and I'm joined across the Tasman by Mark Rosanowski and also Andy McCook, all thanks to New Zealand Greyhounds. The first bet Sunday through Friday, grnz.co.nz. And a bit of a sad week in many respects. Rosa, with the passing of Ray Agcock, who has been widely acknowledged as one of the master traders in New Zealand Greyhound racing. Welcome to you.
1: Yeah, certainly, Damien. Good morning to you. And, uh, yes, the uh, the news of the passing of Ray Edcock at the age of 87 was received on Friday. And uh, Andy and I will have a chat about that very shortly. Ray's influence on Greyhound racing in New Zealand, certainly in the professional era, um, has been just enormous and uh, his loss uh, has been felt right around the country. Um, They'll be wearing black armbands today at uh, the Waikato meeting. Ray was very much a Canterbury-based trainer, but his influence has gone right throughout the country and indeed a little bit beyond as well. It's uh, show a little bit of a difference today because we've got Andy McCook On track, there's two meetings of Greyhound racing in the country today in New Zealand on a Sunday, which is a little unusual. Uh, We have the Cambridge meeting, uh, eight race cards starting at 1.02 New Zealand time, Uh, I'll be calling that card. But down at uh, Ascot Park in Invercargill, the only tri-code venue in New Zealand where they also race harness and uh, gallops, they're running the 30th anniversary meeting of the Southland Greyhound Racing Club racing at Ascot Park. And Andy McCook is down there trying to win the feature race, the Invercargill Cup, today with Epic Cruise. Andy McCook, a good morning to you. Yeah, very good morning
0: to you, Rosso. Uh, I think you summed it up all perfectly there with uh, with Ray Atcock and that sad passing, certainly uh, the low light of the week uh, by a, a long, long way, a man who uh, had a, a big influence on probably just about every trainer in New Zealand. I think most trainers, especially in the Canterbury region, at one stage or another had gone to Ray and asked for advice around uh, something to do with dogs, be it an injury or a dog that had gone off or uh, anything like that. I think most of us had, had asked Ray a question or t- Over the many, many years he'd been involved. I know I certainly had, and as you said, he had a a big impact on a, a couple of trainers down here, namely Dan Lane, obviously who's taken over the team, and also Pete CQ who trains alongside of Ashley Bradshaw, who was uh, under the tutelage of Ray for a long time, and he's gone on to do some pretty good things in Greyhounds as well. So I'm um, actually sitting in the truck now, looking at uh, the pair of those boys, uh, Rosso. They're both down here, both got trailers, both got big teams, and both got a lot of winners on the card. I'm sure.
1: Winners on the card, I'm sure. Yes, indeed, Andy. Um... I see that uh, the races, or many of them anyway today, are named after greyhounds who won on that first occasion 30 years ago at uh, Ascot Park in Viccargill. One of those was uh, Madonna Hobbs, which was trained by Ray Edcock, uh, There wasn't a race uh, of any stature that he didn't win, although it took him a long time to win the Duke of Edinburgh silver collar. So it was a real thrill uh, to see Ray win that with uh, Ring the Bell, creating history, of course, when Ring the Bell became the first back-to-back silver collar winner. Jerry O'Keefe, of course, brought the Greyhound over Uh, from Victoria and and won it the first time, and then the Greyhound was left here with Ray Edcock and had a stellar 12 months with Ray and and thankfully picked up that silver collar, which was kind of the the, the glaring miss on, on his resume.
0: Certainly a well-deserved win for him, wasn't it? And uh, obviously one that was uh, close to his heart as well and one he wanted to win. But, uh, yeah, he was a, he was just a, a man who knew how to get a dog right, wasn't he, Rosso? I think the, the one thing he had over pretty much every trainer in New Zealand especially was the the psychological side of, of getting a greyhound ready to run and win. He was unbelievable at getting a dog's mind in the right spot. And we've all seen the, the videos on Trackside or, or, or via other means where Ray has his dogs and standing on the block and they don't move until he says they can move and uh, I guess not many trainers could probably get a greyhound to do that but Ray certainly knew how to and uh, they they responded to him and and hence the name the master, he was uh, one of the best in the business that we will ever see
1: Andy uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand have put up a link on their website grnz.co.nz and it is uh, to a, a racing show that I was lucky enough to do with Ray Edcock a number of years ago, uh, where it does show the uh, bond between him and the greyhounds and the fact that, as you say, he used that block. The greyhounds wouldn't need a collar and lead. They'd go up and stand on it. We're talking about hardened racing greyhounds who just you know, were at the top of their game and they would walk up and stand on this block. So uh, anybody can check in on that, grnz.co.nz, and click on that. It's a fascinating insight into... Uh, Ray and the bond and the connection that he had with his greyhounds that just loved to run for him. And, of course, Andy, prior to greyhound racing, he'd had a background in harness racing. He'd act- actually been involved with the training of uh, a, um, an outstanding trotter many, many years ago, decades ago in the 60s, called Vodka. Uh, and he was a probationary driver as well. And, of course, he was also a, um, a very well-known... Uh, dog show judge as well before he got into the greyhounds? He was just an, an astonishing man, wasn't he, Rozo? And I think
0: you'd be able to say this as well no matter what he put his hand to, he would have been good at. No matter what he decided to do in life, he would have made a success of it and, and been one of the best in whatever business he chose to be in. And we were lucky as, as growing on trainers and as, uh, as, as media people that Ray was always willing to help when you asked the question. He was always willing to do an interview on TV. He was always willing to, to give you his time whenever you uh, needed it or requested it. And uh, that was. Muchly appreciated from a, a number of people, as I said, especially in Canterbury but further out throughout New Zealand as well. As I said, I think most trainers within New Zealand would have rung Ray or lent on Ray at some point. Just to ask a question to try and get a dog going a bit better than it should.
1: <laughs> Andy, he, um, he won 10 premierships in a row uh, from the mid-80s to the mid-90s. Then he teamed up with John McInerney for a season there at Homebush Hounds and um, and they won the premiership very comfortably there before Ray stepped back and he operated a small team extremely successfully, I might add, uh, up until only uh, just over a season ago when he finally had the Collar and lead on race day. I guess... Numbers mean nothing now, Andy, because back then, when Ray became the first trainer to win 100 races in a season, that was extraordinary. Now we've actually got a kennel that wins not far off 1,000. So back when Ray was almost a pioneer of the professional era, back when I got involved in the early 80s, it was very much backyard trainers. We all had a couple of dogs and we brought them to the track. Ray was the guy who sort of bridged that gap. As we got more TAB meetings, He managed to uh, be a a shining professional light that kind of set the bar, I think, uh, for the rest of us going forward. So the numbers will never tell the story of Ray Adcock's influence, um, but it's actually just knowing what he was like at the time and the way that he was and the way that we learned of him, that will be his legacy. It's an incredible thing
0: when you look at his record and how he trained dogs, and, and I only know little bits about how he did it, but he did have a very old school method, and as you know Rosso, with many things and many walks of life, those old school methods tend to get overtaken by new school methods and, and new people do things a lot different and technology takes over and all that sort of thing, and greyhound training's no different, but I think the best thing about Ray was, was his ability, even with his his methods, to, to just be competitive and, and a group one winning trainer right throughout his career, and he was never scared to take on the big boys, and he was always capable of beating
1: them. He was always capable of beating them. Yes. <laughs> I, I was amazed at just how he was able to travel uh, well into his 80s and, and travel up and down New Zealand. Not easy with greyhounds, as you well know, uh, and he had to cross that Cook Strait on many occasions. Um, it was uh, truly amazing that he was able to do that uh, deeper into his uh, life. Andy, when I first met him, uh, he was running an establishment called Bunny Lodge at Whedon's, just on the southern outskirts of Christchurch. It was um, a boarding kennel, also a pet cemetery, as well as his racing kennel. He had a full circle track there with a lure, and we used to go and train our greyhounds, uh, trial our greyhounds there on a Sunday. And like you say, although we were lining up against each other every Thursday night, it was back then at uh, on course only meetings. Here was Ray effectively giving us a leg up to try and beat him on the Sunday. It was quite remarkable uh, that he was able to do that, and I'll always thank him for that. He actually trained the first greyhound uh, that I ever raced in 1988, a dog called Mick the Miner, and it won on debut at Falbury Park. He wasn't an especially good dog, and the great thing I love about Ray is that he had a whole heap of really... Uh, good owners with deep pockets, Andy, and you've got to remember I was a callow 20-year-old youth here um, and I had a greyhound that was bred to run about 180 metres and he actually got it to win uh, beyond 700 metres, which was just quite extraordinary, but he was a, a very deep thinker, as has become obvious in our conversation.
0: Yeah, he certainly was. Like I said, the, the, the ability to get a dog's mind right, I think, was what put sort of set Ray aside from most other trainers. He just had a way to get into their mind and knew what they were thinking and what they needed to get them to their best. So, yeah, he certainly was a remarkable man, and it's a, a legacy that's going to live on for a, a very long time and a number of people, there's no doubt about that. But, um, yeah, that, that travelling, Rosal, I tell you what, doing it at 80, I'm 30, I've travelled in cargo with two dogs in my ute, and I'm already half done. I want to get home and get to bed
1: Already, so I don't know how he was doing it at 80. You're a lightweight Andy. Uh, no, you're not. Hey, um. No, I'm really not. I, I, I'm I, really can not. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear Ray Edcock say, Come on, get on, sort out a couple of winners, Rosso. So uh, let's do that. Let's talk about the uh, 30th anniversary of racing in the Cargill Cup uh, today. It's race number five on the card, New Zealand time, 144. Uh, you've got Epic crews in there. We'll Hey, look! Your wife has Janine. She does the hard work. You just do the travel. Um, you're the <laughs> kennel boy, right? Um, tell us about Echau on, on the face of it, how <laughs> the face of it, uh, he looks each-way. Value's a very nice dog. In, of course, a very talented field.
0: He's a really, really nice up-and-coming type, Epic Cruise, and he's he's just getting a bit better and a bit better. His age uh, starts to get on his side. He's always been very puppyish, and he's starting to grow up a bit. You'll notice uh, his weight's starting to increase a bit now. He's starting to fill out his frame, and he's, uh, he's starting to live up to the expectations we had on him from a very, very early age. He trialed very, very nicely at Addington on Tuesday. Rosso, he trialed as good as most of these dogs would trial. So... He's got an advantage on his side compared to the favourites that he's seen the track, which is a big advantage here at Invercargill. Obviously, uh, the Bales, Raja, and Jaggedi are very, very hard to beat. But if we can rail around that corner sneaker margin, he's a winning chance. He's
1: a winning chance. Ooh, sounds like you're liking those each way odds. Oh, very much so. I-,
0: I see someone's already beaten me to it, though. He's 750 into 550 here in New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, I think you'll want to get on and get on soon if you're putting a dollar on him because those odds are just going to keep tumbling by the look of it.
1: It does look that way. I, I got on in the middle there, actually, Andy, at 6.5. So, um, anyway, good push. know oh, I know who's cutting my, okay. future, cutting my lunch. That's OK. Uh, I need a very, very small way, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> a very small player uh, in the punting Market. So that's race 5 of 10 at Ascot Park today. The Ascot Park 30th anniversary of racing uh, Invercargill Cup. And uh, good to see $10,000 stake and some quality greyhounds like Epic Cruise, Raja Balja, Getty Bale, Bale, Bale in there as well. Shame about the scratching of No Keeper who unfortunately fell. The Group 1 winner uh, at uh, Addington on Thursday. Andy, I think we have to talk about your dog on the last $2 favourite race 10 to wrap it all up. Dog 4, Epic Addy.
0: Yeah, she's a speedy little customer. She's uh, she's tiny. There's nothing to her, which is a little bit of a concern. It's very windy here at the moment. I'm hoping that dies down. Looks a dead set race into the last uh, between her and Violet Lou, who was a very impressive winner at her last two starts. So uh, both little speedsters. They need to get across Spice Spice Baby in the early hunt who can just run away from the rail. But I think if the pair of them can do that, we might see a, a nice little battle up the home straight here at Southland. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, all the best to you today, uh, Andy McCook. I hope that travel is going to be made worthwhile with your, uh, your large team of two.
0: It's going to be a long drive home, even with two, if I don't get something. So I've got fingers crossed.
1: Very good, Andy. We're going to let you go at this stage. Um, how's the week looking ahead there uh, once you get back to town?
0: Uh, just straight back into it, calling tomorrow at uh, Addington at, uh, and Tuesday with uh, Trevor just taking a couple of days off a week at the moment. So, yeah, no rest for the wicked. We're straight back into it, crunching the form and trying to find a winner for Monday. Form and trying to find a
1: winner for Monday. Yeah, you're the most wicked of all, Andy, but uh, we look forward to uh, hearing you on uh, Monday and Tuesday calling there out of the Christchurch Greyhound Racing Club. That is uh, Andy McCook. He's down there with his wife's team of two today in the Cargill Cup. They've got a nice each-way player there in Dog 3 Epic Cruise, and they can very much win the last with Epic Eddie. Damien Watson, as we come back to you, uh, Greyhound Racing without Ray Adcock just seems um, just unthinkable to me. He's one of those people who made, has made an enormous mark and we talked about his uh, ability as a trainer and his willingness to pass things on. Also for me, as a broadcaster, obviously as Andy said, he was always willing to do an interview, etc. But he used to challenge me on my choice of career and <laughs> and and in a, in a very good way and uh, and he, he really helped me think seriously about what I was doing, how I would go about it it and uh, help me every step of the way and I would encourage people if they have got a bit of spare time uh, to have a look at uh, the man and his methods on that uh, racing show the link on grnz.co.nz link on the home page there
2: absolutely he was a man who transcended the industry in New Zealand we'll take a break here on Kiwi Chasing on the other side we'll chat with Bronwyn Ead longtime secretary and steward of the Southland Greyhound Racing Club you're listening to Kiwi Chasing all thanks to New Zealand Greyhounds the first for four
1: Live around
2: Australia on SEN Track, you're listening to Kiwi Chasing for New Zealand Greyhounds, first for form. And a big welcome back to Kiwi Chasing on SEN Track. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday morning. Damien Watson and Mark Rosanowski with you as we dissect the latest news in greyhound racing in New Zealand. All thanks to New Zealand Greyhounds, at the first for form. And Rosa, we've got a special anniversary to celebrate.
1: Indeed we have, Damien. It's the 30th anniversary of greyhound racing at Ascot Park in Invercargill. Now, that's right at the bottom of the South Island. It's as far south as you can go without going to Stewart Island. There's no greyhound track there, I can assure you. Um, And the key thing about Ascot Park is it's the uh, only track in New Zealand uh, which has all three codes, the Gallops, the Harness and the Greyhounds for the last 30 years have been there. Prior to that, they are at the Invercargill showgrounds and I can remember racing greyhounds at the Invercargill showgrounds and so can my uh, next guest, Bron who is the long-time secretary uh, there and firstly Bronwyn I want to congratulate you and your family and the wider team down there for the success of the Southland Greyhound Racing Club over the years and obviously with the current situation we've got even though that we're at Alert Level 2 now uh, where you are and where I am at the moment, uh, Alert Level 4 of course still in uh, Auckland, in terms of the COVID situation You've had to sort of be a little bit restrained about your 30-year anniversary, so what initially did you have planned for the 30-year milestone of racing at Ascot Park?
3: Well, in, initially, Mark, and um, we had, we had um, the farmers' market actually works at um, Ascot Park on the same time. Um, So we were going to have them on with um, events for the children and lollies, um, free food for the day for, for the people who came on course. Uh, the uh, Encores tote, and we had Greyhounds' pets attending, and we were also having some um, competitions for um, the um, patrons who came. came. Um, And the ILT were going to actually sponsor us some of those prizes. So, unfortunately, we can't do that now.
1: (sighs) No, indeed, you're limited to having uh, only the necessary people uh, on track uh, effectively. Uh, Is there an opportunity, do you think, for for, for maybe for you to mark this somewhere down the line when we're back at uh, Alert Level 1 and things are a little easier for everybody?
3: Uh, yeah that's something uh, yeah, we'll have to look at um, look at, um prob- maybe another sunday um, date we have one close to um christmas where we have a couple of uh group two races or maybe this time next year um just so that it's at the time of year that um it is the anniversary so um bad things Robin. we'll have to discuss but, hmm.
1: Sure. Look, you're in a very unique situation down there. There's uh, there's plenty of uh, tracks where we run uh, Greyhounds and Harness, but you're the only track for the last 30 years where you've linked up with Gallops and Harness, and it's a tri-code venue. How well has that worked for the Southland Greyhound Racing Club? Oh, it
3: works exceptionally well. Um, but the uh, Ascot Park is actually run by a consortium which has members from all three codes, and obviously we have a seat on that consortium and a voting rights also, so uh, we all work together um, to make Ascot Park a, a really good facility and, you know, look after each other and, and work on and well. Um, so there's no no problems whatsoever and like in the past we have had tricode meetings which are a great spectacle um and we've had a couple of dual codes recently so yeah it's it's really good would you, and it, costs, it costs would you costs like, cuts costs
1: also certainly uh, well, would you like to see more tricode meetings Bronwyn?
3: I'd love to see a few tricode meetings, um, just, just it's something different and to see all three codes running on the same day, um, it would be just really neat, I'd love to see more of those.
1: Bronwyn, you're pretty remote down there at the bottom of uh, the South Island and uh, the dog population isn't great down there and, and so for your, for your larger meetings you do rely on the Christchurch dogs travelling you know, a good number of up to a sort of eight hours to get down. How, how difficult has it been to maintain a successful club uh, down where you are in Invercargill?
3: Oh, it's been extremely difficult. Um, we've always had to work hard and, and make ourselves heard. Um, yeah, You can't sit on your hands. You've got to go for it and, and try and push forward and try and get more dates. The dates are the secret to try and grow things. Um yeah we've had some innovative ideas through the through the years and i think one of the things is that you have to remember that the industry is made up of owners and trainers if we didn't have them then you wouldn't have an industry so yeah we have to um just look after them and obviously push forward and try and get more and more dates and to ascot
1: in terms of innovation, uh, your late husband, Mervyn, um, I, I saw as one of the great young innovators of his time, taken tragically too early. Is that something you've tried to uh, sort of push on from his legacy? Because he used to think outside the square.
3: Oh, absolutely he did. He He had come up with some pretty um, wonderful ideas at times. And, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been big to fill, honestly, but um, all you can do is just keep trying and and just keep coming up with ideas and pushing forward. Um, like, there was um, one time he got the club vet, vet sent to Aussie um, to train for, for artificial insemination so, you know, that we'd have someone handy who could do it so, um, you know, we could breed more litters. Um, he introduced travel subsidies, and the, at the time when we had nomination fees, he, he cut the nomination fees, or we had no nomination fees, just to help the owners and trainers out.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Bronwyn, when I think back on some of the things, and I, I used to um, have a strong association with the club, as I did call there for some time. In fact, it was my, my break into to broadcasting, really, or commentary anyway, so I'm indebted to, to Mervyn and yourself and the club down there for that. But many of the things I think back on now um have sort of become accepted ways at the time it was innovative and uh, and it seems that many of those yes. uh, things have actually yes. taken hold yes exactly yes yes, exactly.
3: yes. yes, yes. 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 Definitely.
1: definitely what 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 would you gauge the level of interest in greyhound racing sort of in the deep south now in
3: 2021 oh. look. We sort of have to go back to before COVID. We were doing so well because we had uh, 28 meetings on a Tuesday and we had consistency and... And and people were encouraged to breed. We had five litters. We we got the full-time trainer. We had a young trainer who was so important to the industry. And then COVID happened, and suddenly all of our Tuesdays disappeared, and the focus was on the fact that Canterbury had the dog population. But on the other hand, we suddenly had momentum, and we're building our numbers, and now we've ended up with inconsistent dates and less dates so it just creates uncertainty so then you know to try and encourage that breeding to, uh, to take hold again is it's just hard so yeah the dates is the issue we need more dates and the growth happens and we've proved that
1: well i hope that that can happen um, as as we look ahead i'm just wondering the the closest track to you was Forbury park in dunedin Uh, and that is now closed, is that likely to have any impact one way or the other on on the Southland Club?
3: Yes, definitely, because between the two clubs we had around 56 dates. Currently we're sitting at about 28, so it's like going backwards again and it's, it's frustrating. And like when you think about it, Ascot Park is the backup track for Addington, so if something happened at Addington um we need those dates in here so um and also like the club has had to introduce the two miss policy just so that you know some of our um trainers manage to get starts with their dogs because um it works out that you know they will miss out too so it's yeah it's it's important dates are important and taking forbury park away has taken away a number of dates that were accessible to our owners and trainers
1: He'll yeah, be talking to one of those trainers shortly, in uh, Brett Connor later on uh, Kiwi Chasing. Bronwyn, just before we let you go, um, you still train one or two yourself, but yeah, just scratch Bartholomew Cub
3: today, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. cut his yeah. foot, so <laughs> unfortunately that's racing. So um, it, yeah, but he'll bounce back. He's getting on in years, but he's still loving what he's doing. So yeah,
1: have you got? We'll, we'll just, you got keep keep just keep hammering away.
3: No, Indeed, um, have you, have I've I've got three oldies at home, but um, I did think of breeding, but just the way that the date situation is, it's just, yeah, not going to go there.
1: Robin we'll let you go. We're about three-quarters of an hour away from your first race today. All the best for the race day. You've got a super cup field there, and all the best for the future and hopefully get some more dates back in there.
3: Okay. thanks very much, Mark. Thanks very much,
1: Mark. That's uh, Bronwyn Ede and uh, look seriously Damien it's uh, people like Bronwyn who sort of shoulder the responsibility of keeping things going around the country out in the regions uh, in a a very unforgiving time for everybody and it's a shame what's happened today in terms of their their meeting and also what's happened to their their dates just in light of the current COVID situation but um, let's hope there's hope for the future shall we say.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think we could all agree with that sentiment, no question about that. You're listening to Kiwi Chasing on this Sunday morning. We'll get Rosa's thoughts and selections for the upcoming meetings and also a little later on in the half hour, we'll chat with Southland trainer Brett Connor as well. We do this, of course, for New Zealand Greyhounds. First for form, here's the news. At the end track. You're
1: listening to Kiwi Chasing. For New Zealand Greyhounds. First for form.
2: Welcome back, hope you're enjoying Kiwi Chasing on this Sunday morning on SEN Track. All thanks to New Zealand Greyhound's first for form, Damien Watson joined by one of the stalwarts of the industry when it comes to broadcasting and Mark Rosanowski. And Rosa, we've got some selections from your good self in regards to today's Waikato Greyhound Racing meeting and you're calling the action as well. So you've done the form. Who do you think will prevail in terms of some of your best bets?
1: Yeah, thanks, Damien. Look, we've got an eight-race card today, and uh, in race five, dog one, thrilling sprite. I just expect to uh, win again and go back to back. I opened a dollar eighty this morning. Now a dollar seventy a grand. I think you can put into uh, to any multis and be confident about. I do hope and first leg of the second quaddy as well there today uh, at Waikato, Cambridge Raceway. I think there might be some value uh, in the last race eight dog seven spring queen showing eight dollars and 230. Look, it's a very competitive and good field. Now, last week on the show, we had Peter Ferguson and Ferg, he came through. He was very, very strong on uh, Pedro Lee, a two dollar shot. Look, it only got home uh, in the final bound, but it did get home uh, nonetheless. He also prepared a quinella uh, earlier in that card last week uh, with Salency beating Sakichi and Salency then. Uh, went on and won again and beat a Strongfield on Thursday and Sakichi won on Thursday too. So Ferg had a, uh, a heck of a week after we spoke to him. I hope we brought him a little bit of luck there. Um, but Spring Queen is up against Salency and Sakichi today and other very useful greyhounds, I have to say. But she's at 8 and $2.30. I don't mind a drawn-out where she is in box number 7. Uh, she'd be better for her fresh-up run the other day where she had box 1 and she moved away from the rail. As she tends to do a bit, got turned sideways. She finished 4th. So 8 and $2.30. I think she's backable uh, each way in the last. Just a, a dog to to look out for just in terms of uh, a promising young greyhound in New Zealand. Damien, in Race 3, Dog 7, Luca 2 from 2, won two maiden races by pretty good margins and good times for Arch Lawrence. Arch is a uh, big fan of the staying greyhound. and. Um, his champion stay, we always had a few, but uh, Shandell, um, she won a quarter of a million dollars and um, she's left one or two uh, as a uh, brood bitch as well, and including Luca, who steps up to 457 metres today. Actually, in, again, a nice field, another young dog in there called Thrilling Lennox who goes pretty well, uh, and uh, a dog called Boring who drops back in class. But uh, Luca is well worth watching out for just in terms of uh, one of the more promising young greyhounds up in the north uh, in race three at Cambridge today.
2: And also, you've got your, gee, you're getting your work cut out uh, over the next 24 to 48 hours. You've also got the Palmerston North meeting that you're commentating, and you've got some tips for us there as well.
1: Throw out a couple, and um, look, I managed to get a couple home last week for anyone who was listening on Kiwi Chasing, and I, I hope I can back up again. Um, having a quick look through a 10-race card there tomorrow, race 8, dog 6, big-time Brody. I think we might get some reasonable each-way odds around this greyhound. Ran a very, very big race in a nice field of 520-metre dogs on Friday night. He's getting towards the end of his career, but he um, he's still a very good exponent over the 410 metres. There's a reason to back a few dogs in that. That race and I suspect that big time Brody might just go out over the odds. I hope so. Race eight, number six, big time Brody backable each way. Uh, one of my favourite dogs going arounds in race nine, dog number one, big time Cooper. He was uh, a beaten favourite last week and he was beaten by a very smart dog called uh, Cumbria Lad. Cooper just didn't catch the start right. It's very rare that he misses the start twice in a row. He gets box one and he's drawn underneath a couple of dogs that ease out a bit. Cumbria Lads in box number four. I see Cooper getting the run tomorrow and I think I might be anchoring him. Race nine, dog one uh, big time Cooper. So that's a couple to follow uh, for the uh, meeting at Palmerston North uh, tomorrow at the Manawatu Raceway.
2: And just before we go to our next break, Rosa, I'm interested, given you are a broadcaster and you're doing multiple meetings in multiple days. I know we have a caller here who used to call both the thoroughbreds and the Trots, still does with the Trots, so Dan Malecki. He'd call a major spring carnival meeting in Melbourne during the day and then follow up with the Trots that night. How do you deal with the workload when you're doing the form and also the calling? Because as we know, uh, it's not just the commentary that's part of the job, you've got to do the preparation as well. How do you go about managing that workload?
1: He's a pretty amazing man, is Dan. And uh, I've got to say, I've got enormous respect for uh, commentators throughout uh, Australia because uh, I know that there's a lot of travel involved uh, for for some of them and and many of the top callers of the other codes cut their teeth on greyhound racing. For me, uh, look, I do tend to do a lot of travelling pre-COVID, I certainly did. And um, the nearest tracks to me, where I live in Wellington, are two hours away drive. That's uh, the Manawatu Raceway, Palmerston North, or two and a half to three hours. Uh, depending on the uh, traffic delays, which there are a few sometimes, uh, up to uh, Whanganui. Uh, there's no track here in Wellington anymore, closed a decade or so ago. So um, there's a bit of travel for me generally. However, uh, during these times, and at the moment I'm obviously covering Cambridge uh, as as well as um, the uh, the meetings at Palmerston North and Whanganui, um, I have actually got a studio set up and I'm doing all the calling remotely at the moment i hope not to be i hope to get back to travel a bit from next week um but the technical guys at the tab have done an extraordinary job of setting me up uh, in a remote studio where i've got a live feed a delayed feed and access to the three cameras that are on track that enables me pretty much to call almost but not quite as if i was there
2: oh fantastic all right we'll take a break here on kiwi chasing on the other side we'll speak with southland trader brett connor as we dissect not only his chances but also his life as a trainer as well you're listening to kiwi chasing on this sunday morning all thanks to new zealand greyhounds first for form David watson and mark rosinowski with you welcome back you're listening to kiwi chasing on this sunday morning on sen track David watson and mark rosinowski with you all thanks to new zealand greyhounds first for form and rosa we've got a special guest on the line to talk about Not only his chances today, but also his life as a trainer.
1: Yes, indeed, Damien. Uh, His name is Brett Connor. The Connor name has been uh, prominent in Southland Greyhound racing for about 25 years or so. Uh, Brett used to train in partnership with his late brother Paul, who was a a national administrator taken from us far too early. Brett has continued on with his team. He's got uh, nine in today. I think, Brett, if I've uh, counted correctly, how are you feeling about 30 years of racing at Ascot Park? As we say, good morning to you.
4: Yeah, it's been a big part of my life. Um enjoyed every minute of it. And um yeah, and I always look
1: forward to the next meeting. And I hope you can get some reward today, Brett. Uh, you start out in race three. You've got a couple here at long odds. They're uh litter mates, two material Meg and six Yes Bro. Favourites moana looking for five straight material meg actually ran second to moana last up.
4: Yeah, um, I was really wrapped. She'd been trialling up really good. um, And she's an inside dog. Uh, She really does need a box one, two or three, which she has today. Um, If the favourite can be kept out, uh, you never know.
1: We We could place or even win. She's at reasonable odds. Is she a better chance than yes, bro, today, in your opinion?
4: Um, I think Yesbro has got more speed at the start. Um, but I think just a box draw might determine things here. I know Yesbro does move out a wee bit and could cause the favourite a bit of trouble.
1: That's uh, certainly worth knowing, Brett. Uh, In race four, you've got three greyhounds in here. The one I want to talk to you about is Terry's Terror dog, number three, priced up this morning at $7.50. Now, you nominated this dog for the Invercargill Cup, and he is a class one dog. Clearly, you think fairly highly of him.
4: Yeah, I think he's a terrific chance today. Um, He's actually going to be a great stayer. A 457 could be just a little bit short for him. Um, He was racing in a target over 545 and winning there. So when we get him up to the 630-odd metres, he'll be a a better dog. I just thought in the Cup, I always want to have a Cup runner. Um, With the speed on, it would stretch him out a bit and he he could run a drum. That's why I nominated him for the Cup.
1: OK, well, he looks uh, certainly at least a uh, place bet there in race number four. Hey, you rocked the tote with Toby's choice. Last starts out in box eight today. You paid $33 last time. You're at fairly long odds again today with him.
4: Yeah, um, yeah. I was surprised myself. I had four runners in that day. Um, I didn't rate him at all. Um, he does not like box eight. Uh, the only good thing about box eight is there's nothing on the other side of him. So... We'll see if he can back up today. He did run, he's probably round about his personal best, around about 26.40. So, yeah, we will be interesting to see what happens today.
1: Indeed. Breeze Bally, your other one in there, but Terry's Terror clearly looks the, the best of your three there in race four, number three, Terry's Terry. Might have a go each way there. Um, look, I want to concentrate on uh, Race 7 Dog 2, Mr Festus, uh, Brett, because he's won eight of his 29 starts. He's at $4.50 today, and granted, a pretty useful field, but um, he's a nice young dog from the Dream Collector Sandy Claus litter.
4: Yes, you're right, Mark. Um, he would be probably the second best one in the litter. The litter had eight in it, and they've all won. Um, and Mr Festus has drawn perfectly today, box two. He's got terrific speed at the start, so I do expect him to hit the front, um, yeah, and then we'll see what happens. It's a windy day, they might get pushed home, and um, he might just be able to see it out, so I do want to take him up to the Galaxy um, at Christchurch for the, for the uh, heaps up there.
1: Okay. look, for those listening across in Australia, the Galaxy, one of two Group 1 short course sprints that we have in New Zealand and the Galaxy run in November uh, on our New Zealand Cup night. So, Brett Conniff pretty good plans there with Mr Festus and he's the uh, local taking on uh, the Canterbury visitors in race 7 today, the Mistyanna Sprint, named after one of the greatest greyhounds we've ever had in New Zealand, the first dog to win 100,000 in our time, she raced in the early 90s and she won on that first day down there at uh, Ascot Park in Invercargill Um, Brett in race number 9, you've got uh, T&C in there and uh, that's a greyhound who's nearly 5 gee, he's been good to you though, an 18 race winner
4: absolutely right um yeah he's he's nearly five like you say um on his heyday uh he would annihilate the field but he got an injury and he ripped the stifle um he's been out for five months and that first one back when he ran 30 he was running on two weeks ago so he will improve today he could go close to winning it if he's improved better than i think um but love a couple of starts and he'll be back to where it should be.
1: He's done a good job for you and the Gore TNC Racing Syndicate. How do you go with owners uh, down there? Have you still got a few uh, interested in, in racing greyhounds in the deep south with you?
4: Yeah, absolutely right. I have um, probably two of the biggest syndicates. Uh, we have what you call the Tricode Syndicate and um, that's the Pacers, the Gallops and the Greyhound. Um, and there's about 80 odd people on that. And um, I've got another big cemetery that's got about 40 people on it, and they just, they just love it. Um, they're always waiting to see when the dog's running and um, when the draws come out. Um, yeah, and owners, yeah, they, they're around here and they do like to race.
1: Brett, you've got uh, a couple of dogs in the last. One of them's actually raced by the TriCode Racing Syndicate. That's dog number eight, Danny Ha-Ha. You've also got number three, Stir Fry, who's been going pretty well down there. Uh, they're both at long odds in the last, though, with a couple of Canterbury visitors, uh, Epicaddy and Violet Lou, at the top of the book there.
4: Yeah, it's, it's a good C2 field. Um, I do like Stir Fry because I feel the one and two will jump. And the stir fry will be tucked in behind him. He's a bit of a slow beginning, but he'll boot up on the rail. Um, Danny Haha, ha um, I think he's better drawn an eight than what he had last week in box one. So, uh, you know, it's waiting to see a game with him.
1: Brett, uh, from what you've been saying today, uh, just looking at your runners, race seven, number two, Mr Festus, is that the, the, the best bet for you from your team, in your opinion?
4: I would say it is, yeah. Um, closely followed by
1: TNC. Good, I oh, thank you. We'll mark them both down. And all uh, your runners seem to be at pretty reasonable odds today as well. Um, Brett, look, before we let you go, you nine dogs in today. How big is your team? And um, how, how difficult is it for you down there with the uh, the dates not being quite as prevalent as they were? We spoke with Bronwyn a little earlier about that issue.
4: Yeah, my team, we've got 11 racing dogs, so I've got nine in today. Um, And it is difficult because we only have 28 racing dates down here. Um, We want to secure quite a few more if we can. Um, It'd be nice to race once a week instead of um, uh, every second week. Um, And then that causes us a bit of travel. So... With the COVID restrictions and that at the moment, it's just made it a bit more difficult than other trainers.
1: Indeed. And uh, with no more Falbury Park, if you are going to travel away from Ascot Park, you what What does it take you, about eight hours to get to, to Christchurch, to Addington?
4: Yeah, yeah, it's always slow on the way up, so you yeah, get be eight hours slightly quicker on the way home. But, um, yeah, it is a decision you've got to make. And with Christchurch dates... Um, they don't have the, the meetings where they're um, all there so that you can race any grade. They split their, their actual grades. So um, it makes it difficult. Instead of getting eight or nine in, I might only get two or three in.
1: Brett, nearly out of time, but it seems to me that uh, the Ascot uh, Park track there, the Greyhound track, seems to get a great deal of kudos for the uh, racing surface and the uh, the uh, the 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 safeness of it if you like Um, what's your comment as a a prominent trainer down there on on the track
4: yes naturally I'm going to be biased but I'm also truthful so um, I'd say this is the best surface in the the country and I have been around uh, quite a few of other tracks Um, we're so lucky to have the good sand um, and being a horseshoe track um, and wider on the bends, in that, it's, it's better racing for the uh, dogs, less injuries. Um, injury rate is probably one of the best in the country, if not the best, and um, the comments from all the other trains that come down, they, that's why they like coming down here, so they can go home safe.
1: And awesome, Brett. Hey, thanks for your time, mate. All the best today, all the best to you down in Southland. Uh, Damien Watson, that's us for Kiwi Chasing number five.